everyone, it's Katie McGregor-Bennett. This is Connecting Tech and Design, a new podcast that was launched to explore and explain the intersection of technology and design. These are conversations taking place with members of the integration community, interior designers, architects, builders, specifiers, and adjacent trades that all make up this crazy space known as the residential smart home, smart kitchen, smart bath space. This is an episode dedicated to the trade show known as KBiz, the Kitchen and Bath Industry Show, which is co-located with IBS, the International Builder Show, and collectively known as DCW, Design and Construction Week. Uh, we love acronyms in the trades, don't we? Today we're talking about the trends, technologies, and standout demos and sessions that took place during the show, all to give you some inspiration about the opportunities available in the space, and to also give you some insights into where technology is going in the kitchen, bath, and audiovisual space. Got some great guests here today. I would love to do a round the table here. Quick introduction, starting with Robin Fisher. Hi, my name is Robin Fisher. I'm a certified master of kitchen and bath design. I own my own design firm in Portland, Oregon, and I'm relatively new to the world of technology. Um, was not a big buy. I didn't buy into it real well early this last year. But now I am totally sold. I think this is really where the future is and how the industry is moving. And I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much, Katie. Excellent. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us, Robin. It'll be, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your, your input. Uh, next up, David. Hi, everyone. Uh, David Van Wert here. Um, Van Wert Technology Design. We are a technology design and consulting firm based out of Los Angeles. Uh, helps homeowners throughout the entire country and, and most of North America uh, when it comes to designing, uh, specifying, and, and uh, implementing technology throughout their homes. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to, to chatting with everyone for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, David. Thanks for joining us. Next up, we've got Ryan Hurd, sir. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? This is Ryan Hurd, the smart guy. I am the NKBA Technology Insider as well as a CEDIA guy. And I've been in the tech industry for 29 years. Nice to be here. Excellent. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate you being here. Next up, Tony Sabatino. Uh, hi, Katie. Um, great to be here. So I'm Tony Sabatino from New York. Um, my company is Tony Sabatino Style. I do whole home interiors, a um, little bit of commercial, and I basically have a more concierge focus to the home um, for the clients that I work with. do a lot of kitchen and bath, and I am now a technology enthusiast who was very happy to be on the first um, Design Connection Tour at CDA last September. Fabulous. Yeah, and we'll definitely be talking about that CDA Design Connection Tour as well as the CDA Design Connection panel that you were part of at this most recent show. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Appreciate it. Next up, Molly Switzer. Hi, this is Molly Switzer. Uh, I own and am the principal designer for Molly and Switzer Designs here in Portland, Oregon. Um, I am an associate kitchen and bath designer certified through the National Kitchen and Bath Association. And um, I specialize in obviously kitchen and bath design and um, all primarily residential design. And um, president of our local NKBA chapter, so super involved. Um, we've, I've been going to KBiz since probably 2005 as a student. Um, so I understand this. And then um, also stepping into the, the CEDIA world, I got involved with CEDIA this year um, as a designer, and that's been an awesome way to um, really connect the technology side of my business. Yeah, yeah. And if we've got time today, I definitely want to chat a little bit about some of the recent projects that you've completed um, in the smart home space, if not, and 
even so we'll we'll definitely do a, another sidebar podcast with you because i really want to talk about that uh joe whitaker sir how are you I am doing well. I'm Joe Whitaker, uh, the owner and co-founder of The Thoughtful Home. We also have The Thoughtful Restaurant, which is our hospitality division, which makes this whole thing unique because we deal with a lot of designers and growing that trend has been obviously amazing, but now we're really embracing it. Um, Other than that, I'm on CDA Board of Directors. I've been there for almost eight years and I've almost been in the industry as long as Ryan. Not quite. Someday I'll catch up. Uh, but that's just a little bit about us. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today, Joe, and everybody else on, on the show. Before we get too far, I feel like we've got a little acronym soup going on, so I want to back up and make sure that we all understand when we're talking about CEDIA, when you hear the word word or phrase CEDIA, that actually is an acronym for the Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association. It's a small but mighty group of audiovisual integrators uh, and professionals that support that industry um, for all things custom in the home as it relates to the AV experience, um, sight, sound, and uh, visual audio experiences, that sort of thing, of which Joe and Ryan uh, and David are all in that space and very active. So on today's show, we've got a great group of interior designers as well as audiovisual integrators. Um, and uh, and we're going to kind of explore uh, where, where technology and design is intersecting right now. So without further ado, Joe, if you would, um, I want to I kind of dive in first to the CDA design connection panel um, and the conversation that took place uh, in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. I uh, you know you were big part of that as were the others but kind of tip us off a little bit where where does the design the cd design connection concept come from and um what's its overarching objective so uh it, it was actually kind of an interesting start and discussion um it started with white good um and nkba and kbiz kind of all kind of had this concept um going around about taking interior designers and architects and showing them the technology side, you know, exposing them to products that we all know and love, but they were very friendly um, to designers and architects. And uh, when uh, me and David got the calls at about the same time and everybody just started pitching in these ideas. Well, you know, what if we exposed them to these trends? What if we built it out where we took them to things that were motorized, speakers, shades, and just kind of walked them through almost a day in the life of what we deal with on our side, where personally sometimes we have no business dealing with, um, some of the very design-friendly things that we have no idea what we're doing, but be able to kind of show that we're not only accepted and open arms to the design and architecture community, but we have products on our show floor right now that they should be aware of, involved in, and become some of the decision makers in that entire process. Um, did any of us, I, D- David would, I know he's probably going to say the same thing I am. We had no idea that that little venture, that little journey was going to be as big of a hit or as big of a success as it was. You know, we were just thinking in kind of that altruistic manner, you know, let's educate and build community and all kind of grow together. We had no clue that it was going to explode into a trend that you now see at KBiz and you're probably going to see at other shows. That was just the luck of the power of the people that were involved. 
you know, Robin was there and Molly was there and Tony was there. And there were some other, you know, very important architects, designers and builders that were involved that kind of took off with it um, and kind of made it its own little, little thing that can kind of live on its own away from the things that are some of the things we get caught up with in our industries or in our associations, which is the kind of the coolest thing that comes out of it is, you know, I, I talk to Tony a lot. I text Molly all the time and it's kind of like we built this, this community uh, that I think is going to continue to grow. Great. Yeah. And David, you were part of this panel as well. Jump in and, and kind of share your, your, your thoughts and insights from a conversation that took place. And- sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, you know, with everything that Joe was saying is, is that, yeah, when we didn't really have an idea, we we're kind of flying blind at this for, for the most part. Um, and, and was wondering if anyone was going to show or even be interested, um, you know, cause it's always kind of the one part of, you know, call it the architectural community as a whole, um, you know, from the design side to the technology side, that's kind of always an afterthought. No one's really too interested in it. Um, and, and that's where, you know, I think a lot of the developments and things that are happening nowadays with technology is starting to change that pretty dramatically, you know, and you're starting to see all of these things and it, and it starting to come together, you know, uh, uh, much more often. Uh, and so I think you're starting to see a lot more interest. And, and I was, you know, I was generally surprised in the amount of interest that we got and, you know, uh, the interactivity between all of the designers and the people that, that were in my group. I mean, it, it kind of blew me away. I you know, expected maybe a question or two, but I mean, we, you know, we ran probably 45 minutes late because we were getting, you know, so, so much feedback and, you know, uh, so much, much great input. Um, it was, it was wonderful. So. Yeah, yeah, and so between the two, so there was the the panel session at KBiz um, just recently at the CDA Expo mm-hmm. in September. There was there there was an two different groups that actually toured around, um, of which David was was one of the tour group hosts, and Joe Joe was the other. So um, we're definitely you know kind of talking about um, the co- sort of the combined result of those things. And David, you mentioned a, a, a key word here in its community, and I you know this podcast is the result of of conversations that took place about the design connection um you know and i i'm kind of taking it out of out of the the boundary if you will of of those two events taking place but really the design connection um you know and i think that this we are creating there a community is evolving of adjacent trades that all have a very meaningful um role in in the residential um space uh, very distinct and meaningful but that is converging very quickly and um I, you know, for me, I'm really excited about the opportunities for both sides, um, uh, or for, I should say for all sides that, that this kind of, this represents. So ladies, I want to call on you now, Robin, Tony, Molly, um, as, as designers part of this design connection, um, talk a little bit about sort of your involvement in um, those tours and the panels and, and sort of where, where you're seeing these intersections occurring. Well, I'll, I have no problem starting if that's okay. Um, this is Robin. And um, so I came back from the show pretty jazzed about, or came back from Cedia in um, the Cedia Expo in San Diego. Where I think that was September of this last year. September. Yes. And, and um, totally became involved with the whole concept and realizing how it's beyond calling my, my, um, range and telling my range, my, my oven to turn on before I get home, that it's actually more of, um, really can impact my client's life differently. So, um, 
I remodeled, I moved my office, my design office home. Um, I built a studio in my backyard and turned my main floor into a showroom for my clients. So, um, so it's a living, breathing showroom. My clients come meet there and, and I can show them product, right? Um, so I worked with Control4 and Josh AI and integrated my home with the system, um, which has been really fun and real interesting for how my, when my clients come in the home, they can actually turn lights on. They can actually control things, uh, turn music on and make, realize how easy it is. It's, and how different um, a professionally installed product is as opposed to a DIY system that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. So what it's, what I'm able to do is really make, realize that, um, connectivity, being connected or having technology within your home is easier. Uh, just this last week, I invited, I teach part-time at our local college, um, and I brought all my students. I brought 19 students into my home, and my local ins- uh, Control 4 installer, Evolved Home, came and did a presentation. And the students were able to connect their phone, and they were able to do connect their own music and get things working within the house without thinking about it. It's not like they had to put a lot of effort into it. So what I was able to do is to show our students how technology is the wave of the future and it's not necessarily just a gimmicky item, you know, and I don't mean to downplay certain things, but I really don't need a camera in my refrigerator, Um, but I need things to work well. You know, I need things to be significant. And um, I got the opportunity when I was at KBiz to go to um, the KB Home Project, which was really interesting because Google actually set it all up. And there were like 15 apps that they had to deal with, uh, which to control their house. And I was able to show them on my, on my iPhone how I had one app. You know, using Control 4, I had one app to be able to control everything within my house. The Google guy, Google guy was quite impressed, actually. Um, but it, it was really um, interesting to see how the house can can be an asset, how the house can actually work and um, be more functional. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Robin, your experience um, has been one of the most inspiring for me in that um, you, when you originally started talking and you had commented, and you mentioned here too, that, you know, you weren't necessarily a tech-heavy house um, and, and your own personal usage with you and your husband, it, not as deep or robust as, as others. And, you know, of course, in our world, everything is connected. So uh, yeah, I remember you making that reference and then to see on your Instagram just the other day that you, Josh is alive and well and you're loving technology and you've got it in your home. To me, that's just sort of like, yes, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, it, one, one small step for, for, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, I think that it's, it, it this is sort of that that space that we're in where technology is now becoming, it's now gotten to a point where more people have, have an interest in the experience, not necessarily the thing um, it, across the board, but have, are very much interested in enhancing their experience and understanding that technology um, is playing a key role in that. Tony and Molly, I'd love for you guys to jump in here too and share sort of your, your thoughts here. Okay. Um, so basically as the, 
This is Tony um, talking basically as a designer and also the president of the Manhattan chapter of the National Kitchen and Bath Association. Um, working in Manhattan, sometimes you have clients that you do an apartment for. They may have a vacation house. So my experience with technology, um, for the most part, started with people that wanted cameras. Uh, they wanted remote thermostats. They, they wanted some remote control of a space they weren't going to be in all the time. Um, you know, I have done homes on Long Island here uh, for people that wanted to control their primary home. But what I think is really interesting about this, um, I think it's very interesting that appliances have been Wi-Fi ready, network enabled. Some of them have Ethernet cables for a while. Uh, so that's one of the things that I've noticed um, being involved in the NKBA. And, but nobody is doing anything with it. So talking about, you know, your refrigerator and, and what it means to be able to connect with your refrigerator. There are obvious things the appliance companies are doing, like remote service, where the, uh, the appliance will tell uh, the factory that something's not working right, so you can send out a serviceman. All those behind-the-scenes things are great, but what I think is really wonderful is that the generation that's growing up with an app for that um, now is able to control their, their kitchen appliances. And I, I do think that there's a lot of value in that. I think it's a lot less gimmicky than a, a lot of people think. Um, the idea that you can turn your dishwasher on and off or, or even shutting down your whole house. And I'd love to get into a, a little bit about the living in place arena. Um, but I think too that I, I just really want to nod to the NKBA for, for bringing Ryan Hurd in as an insider. Um, I think that that's brilliant. I think it's really important. I think all of us are in the home, uh, you know, as it's being built, it's not an afterthought like the throw pillows and, and you know, the, um, the drapery window treatments as opposed to the automated blinds. And I'm going to be quiet for a minute. I have a lot to say, but, but <laughs> Ryan, because I just think that there's, I think it's really great that there's actually an official person who's involved with KVIS and with, uh, with the CDA Expo. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Molly, jump in here. And then Ryan, I want to swing over to, to you and pull you, pull you in. Ryan, smart guy. All right. um, yeah. And then, and then definitely want to get your, kind of your contributions here too. But also you've got some amazing findings that I think will be a perfect segue here. So, um, but we'll hold on that. Molly, thoughts, ideas. Uh, thoughts, ideas. Um, I mean, I agree. Agreed. I'm really excited to see that um, our extension of, of NKBA really going into CEDIA deeply. Um, because they, they, we are understanding that, you know, it's not going away. It's not a fad. The technology thing is 100%. It's not even the future. It's here. Um, it's going to be evolving. But, I mean, it's here and it's, it's moving. And our clients are asking for it. And um, I'm excited. I've got a big project going in where we have a super integrated, connected house. And everything that the clients have asked for um, all of the appliances, they're all connected in some way. And we've had to do all the research, you know, digging through what exactly does connected mean? And, and is it just service or are we talking, you know, Hey, you know, the washer and dryer done, you know, your wash is ready. It's ready to go down to, uh, down into your dryer or, um, down to also like security factors and, and thinking of security in a whole new way, whether it's, um, whether it's just my water, whether my water's leaking, you know, there's the, that whole aspect of security where, you know, you're safe on the inside, whether than people coming in, it's more, you know, my home is a safe environment for the people that are in it already. Um, and, and it's, it's exciting to see 
you know, really where this is going. It's going into the idea of, yes, you know, as Tony touched on, people are living, able to live longer in their homes um, and be more independent because of all these technology advances. And that's only getting deeper and deeper. And, you know, we're just scratching the surface at this point. So it's very exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, and the the project that you're talking about that definitely you're coming back on, girl. We're going to be talking about this. Um, it, it be, and again, it, when you and I first met, um, a lot of this was was still um, pretty new. Um, and I shouldn't necessarily say pretty new, but you weren't as deeply entrenched with with integrating technology into your designs, um, I believe, as you are, as it sounds as though you are now. And so, you know, I think yeah. that in and of itself. I mean, it's been six months. I mean, it's maybe seven months let's we'll go that far it's been seven months since we had that original conversation and you know now you're you're much more deeply involved with technology and your designs and that's um it's fabulous i love it (laughs) yeah 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 it is it is definitely ryan i want to this is a good i think this is a really good segue here um or just sort of a midpoint touch uh, touch in on one of the things that you um presented out at at the show were some um survey findings and um share the Share with us a sort of high level of, of sort of where technology is in terms of um, consumer adoption and interests and how those needs are being served by the various marketplaces with um, NKBA and with Cedia. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd like to go back to CES this year. So I was out in CES in Vegas and then uh, went out to the KBiz show. And I got to say, this is the first year of my 29 years that I've been in the industry that it's finally time where I'm seeing the stitching together of technology and technology is actually becoming more useful to us humans instead of just being gadgets as, you know, we were talking about before. Now, with that said, I mean, you know, there's product out there that is voice controlled toilets. And, you know, on the outside, you're going to say, well, why do I need my voice to control my toilet? Well, you know, in my household, I've got three young kids, so it's just absolute chaos. And how many times I'm going past the bathroom and, you know, I happen to have three young boys. So you know what that means? That means that every light switch does not have an offside and every toilet does not have anything that flushes it. So for me to be able to walk past the bathroom and say, Alexa, please flush my toilet. She's listening right now. That's a wonderful thing. Now, although that's funny, there's other real world uh, solutions for this. When we look at age and we talk about living in place, like somebody brought up before, You know, think about it. Think about my 93-year-old grandmother who's having a harder time uh, moving around. You know, she's not as mobile as she used to be. And having a toilet that is voice-enabled is literally game-changing. Now, bring it from the toilet to the shower or bring it to the tub where I can say, Alexa, start the shower, fill my tub, and make it 78 degrees. I mean, this is where we're finally seeing technology not just be a gadget, but that can actually help people, either make them more independent or bring a little bit of chaos out of their life. So, I mean, that is, from my perspective, this is the first year that I've seen stuff like that. Now, what you were talking about before is actually, in 2018, Cedia and NKBA did a survey, and they were asking designers as well as consumers, you know, what do you think about technology? And, And there was a couple of very interesting points here. And some of the interesting points is the perception or the the perceived benefits on the consumer side. So, you know, they perceive that it's going to add more value to my home. And that is true because when you think about it, 
And it's all relative to whether or not you're on the buy side or the sell side of the home. So for example, if you're on the sell side, uh, it can make your house sell quicker. And you say, well, why? Putting some stuff or technology in my home is going to make it sell quicker. Well, the reality is just like redoing your kitchen and putting you know, granite countertops because for the person on the buy side, the person that wants to come in and see the house, to see a beautiful kitchen that's already done and then has those smart appliances that everybody's talking about, that's just one more level of, of uh, things that they don't have to do, decisions that they don't have to make. So it makes their purchase decision much easier. I've always wanted that beautiful kitchen and it has smart technology. Oh, that's, that's a slam dunk relative to a home that does not. So we're seeing that we also hear from the consumers that they want technology to make their life easier. So just like I explained, whether it's turning off the stove, flushing the toilet, or pushing a button and turning off the entire house, that makes life more easier. You know, and then on the other side, um, there's also reducing clutter. So simple things, you know, the new iPhone comes out and the new iPhone 10, you can put it on a wireless charger. Well, Corian or... Uh, one of the manufacturers of the solid surface had made these chargers that are built into the countertop. So from a designer's aspect from NKBA, you know, they want to declutter. And now that we have more technology, you look in my house, everybody's got an iPhone and an iPad and an i this and an i that. And it's all over the kitchen because the kitchen is where everybody congregates. Well, now from a designer's aspect, you know, they're going nuts because how do I deal with all these wires and, and wall warts? Well, you know, people designing this into the kitchen and actually having it embedded into the countertops where you could just put the product down. Again, that's game changing. And that's where we've taken technology and stopped making it a gadget and actually made it useful for humans. So it's absolutely amazing. I'm very excited about it. First time. And I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so joe and david jump uh, kind of jump in on on the tail end of what ryan was talking about and and sort of in your world as your worlds as um integrations professionals um how do you see some of these things kind of coming into shape on the av side i would echo a lot of what uh ryan just said um but you know every time you know you get into that discussion about the iphone and the ipad and the i this and the i that i always say what about me you know, forget I, what about me? You know, what, what are these devices technologies going to do for me or for my family or for, and, you know, uh, Molly was around uh, at KBiz when I had a discussion with Samsung and then some other people where I'm like, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of part of the CDM mantra about connecting devices, but not for just for the sake of being connected. Um, yeah, it's great that you can, I can flush the toilet from the living room, you know, whoopee. Um, it's great that I can preheat an oven from while I'm at the store picking up cake mix, but still that's not enough. Um, and that's what I'm hoping appliance manufacturers could start to realize is that, you know, I'm cooking at a countertop and the countertop knows my phone is there. And when, because I have small children in the house, when I step away from that count, from that cooktop, because there's small children in the house, it should turn that heat down and it should start cooling because the adult is no longer by the cook surface and there's kids that are going to burn their fingers off. You know, those other things that devices can do. Sure, the fridge is, you know, connected and it might be able to order me groceries, but do smart things like figure out that the filter for the uh, uh, water and ice cubes needs to be changed and send an email and auto schedule to my service provider that services 
uh, my sub-zero. You know, start doing useful things. Don't just give me bells and whistles for the sake of bells and whistles. You know, jump into really making these things functional within a space to start providing real solutions. Um, and and I, I think they're starting to get that. But I'm hoping they do that with items that people like that are in the homes like that Robin is in and Tony's in and Molly is in. Because when you talk about like Samsung Bigsby, you know, those, those kind of ecosystems, that's what's going in the DIY homes. Those are the devices that are not going in the homes that these amazing designers do. So they need to start opening their eyes to get the stuff they're doing tied into the systems that actually go into the homes that the SKS products go in and the higher end products go in. There's this big disconnect there. I want to see more of that where it's, it's a utilitarian function and not so much a, wow, there's a button press that just opens the fridge door or closes it. Start giving things that actually mean something for usefulness to a homeowner. Yeah, and goes to lifestyle analysis, right? It goes exactly. To analysis, yeah. how you live, how you use your phone right now. Do you use it for banking? Do you use it for all these other things? What's your comfort level with your phone? You know, that might make you a great candidate for the control for intercom anywhere. But but I think back to uh, the, the, the point that Ryan was making before, there, there's so much that's, that's not gimmicky. Because you think about the living in place, um, certified living in place professional. It's a certification from the Living in Place Institute. So what does that mean? It means that people of any age have some sort of special ability. Uh, you know, I don't love the word disability, but whatever challenges people are facing, there is so much technology that can solve that problem. And your 93-year-old mother, Ryan, will yeah. love toilet that you can <laughs> wash you but you know who else is going to love it my 35 year old client who's an avid skier with a broken arm right. it's yep, going to save his marriage to have that thing that he can tell to uh you know uh, clean them i mean it's um it's an interesting aspect i actually had a couple tell me they wanted their own bathrooms and they wanted toilets with hygienic capability about six years ago and i was really surprised um and that's basically what it boiled down to the, uh, the guy had, had broken his arm, and he just didn't like that feeling of dependency on somebody to help him. So yeah. it can be that simple. But, you know, multiply that by, um, by people that have kids on the spectrum, um, a parent with Alzheimer's, right. and, and we can just keep going and going and going. And the, uh, the technology integrator, who to me, I mean, it, it's engineering, right? You're engineering how the house is going to work based on what I'm telling you my client needs. And, and that's magic that I really love to see happen. Well, you know, it's, uh, the hygienic purposes in that, when you're talking about the living in place, that I entirely agree with. I'm more, I was more referring to those things where the toilet flushes itself, the oven preheats itself. It's something that guys like me, Ryan, and David have heard for 20-something years where they said, hey, can you put the VCR on my universal remote? <laughs> And I'm like, sure I can, but you still have to get up to put the videotape in it. You're right there. Why am I going to put this on your universal remote? It's the same thing with the oven that preheats itself, a stovetop that you can turn on. I've got to put the pork chop in the pan. I'm right here anyways. The flush lever is right here. Why do I connect it for the sake of being connected? Hygienic purposes and those kind of things, absolutely. But bells and whistles for the sake of bells and whistles, that's where Whirlpool was five years ago with Sixth Sense. Now they're starting to catch on. And that's where I'm so excited is they're starting to get the things that you can really do. Yeah, and, and Joe, I, yeah. I think what 
go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. So I'll just make a, real, a really quick uh, point, Joe. Uh, great points, and Tony, same thing. I mean, this is, like I said, the first time I'm seeing the stitching of technology to be useful to humans. And uh, to Joe's point, I mean, yeah, uh, I remember when Samsung came out with the fridge and it had everything that was packed in it. I mean, from a techie standpoint, I love it. But in reality, you know, if you look into my fridge, it just looks a bunch of stuff and whether or not I can see that on my phone, I'm still just seeing a bunch of stuff. Now, with that said, this year was the first year that things that Joe that you're talking about is actually coming out in our reality. I mean, uh, G monogram, for example, they have baked in into their smart system on all their smart appliances that not only is it doing the things that we all want, you know, turn on the oven and monitor the oven and all that, but it's also monitoring the health of the product. So they had this wine fridge, 24 wide wine fridge that has, I think, 140 or 130 bottles it can hold. Now, listen, wine can be really expensive. So think of how much money you can have in a fridge. And that fridge technically had three zones of cooling. So you've got a lot in there. So monitoring it, okay, I know what my three zones are. Maybe I can turn it on, turn it off, turn on off the LED lights. But they went one step further. They went one step further. They're monitoring all of the health inside. So the compressor, all the compressor parts, and they know when something becomes an issue. Not only do they know when something becomes an issue, they'll get the product already packaged up, sent to the house. Then they'll deal with the installer and have the installer on hold. Then they'll call a consumer and say, listen, we think your, issue, your uh, fridge is having an issue. I'd like to send the guy over on Tuesday or does Monday work for you where the product's always already coming. And then on the other point that you were making, Joe, where the cooktop and, and kids, 100%. And, you know, KitchenAid actually just came out with that this year for one of their um, cooktops. And their cooktops has a technology where it doesn't turn on until the pan goes on it. But them combining with Yumly, so Yumly is an app that I can look up all different recipes. And with that amp, I can actually take a picture in my fridge and it actually knows what's in my fridge. It can tell the difference between a strawberry and um, – a piece of meat and milk and all that other stuff, it could also start everything and then it has a smart pan. So the smart pan knows whether or not it's on the cooktop and even on the cooktop's on, if the pan's off, it's off. So that's what I mean by finally we have the stitching of technology where, listen, we've been in this industry forever and, and I'm a tech geek. I love this stuff, but now we're finally seeing that it can make a difference in somebody's life when they're living in place or when they're on the scale or you know, even just a regular person like us that have kids and it's absolute chaos. I mean, just the ability to hit one button and turn my entire house off, that is a godsend for me because prior of that, you know, we would leave and my wife would leave, take the kids and maybe make a stop to the library and think she's going to be away for five minutes, but she's gone for five hours. And in my house, every single light bulb is on, including the basement, you know, every single TV is on and my two dogs are watching, you know, Disney XD. <laughs> That doesn't have to happen anymore. <laughs> chaos in the herd household, as we heard before. But, but controlled chaos, thanks to technology. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. David, jump in. I know you had some, some thoughts on this, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what, you know, what I'm, I'm seeing, and I, I, it's kind of an interesting situation where I, I saw something similar, you know, maybe 10 years ago um, when the iPad and iPhones were released. Uh, you had this big influx and in, in an excitement across you know, the industry, you know, not only the technology, but, but, you know, also, uh, you know, from the design community and from homeowners in general, oh, wow, there's these new apps that can control my phone and it's great. And so everyone jumped on board and we had a million apps that could, you know, do everything, like you said, from flushing the toilet to controlling your music and everything in between. Uh, and nowadays, um, you know, 
I'm seeing that again and, and very much more so um, with uh, voice control. You know, I, I think, you know, with uh, Alexa and things, um, you know, and all of, of the other offerings what out there. What should I add? And she's talking to me now as we speak. <laughs> um, <great>. But, <laughs> and, uh, you know. I added she's talking to your shopping list. See, now she can add things to your shopping list. And now I'm looking at my shopping list. But you're, you're starting to see, you know, that uh, is, I think, is going to really break down these barriers. Uh, and, and, you know truly make things easy to use. I think that's, you know, that's one of the keys that I'm finding uh, that is, you know, bringing this adoption and, and pushing it more forward uh, is that it is becoming much, much easier to use for everyone. You know, you plug in whatever these devices are, and now all of a sudden you can talk to them. You know, some of them are more difficult, some are a bit easier, but it, it brings that, you know, that barrier of entry, you know, people that are that are technophobes or younger or or older or have disabilities, whatever the case might be, you know, uh, not everyone, but a vast majority of people can talk to their home, uh, and, and and so now it does make things much much easier than it was in the past. So I think that's why we're seeing that, you know, call it a, a, a second technology revolution or wave uh, that you know the iPhone, the iOS device being you know wave one, and this. Is what I'm starting to see is is the the voice side of things being being wave two uh, and ushering in you know just another uh, you know way of of controlling and, and again just simplifying things and, and again making an impact uh, and, and something that is actually beneficial to clients you know and and, and homeowners um, you know rather than just being you know connected for the sake of connected it's things that you know again can it, it can it do these things that are helpful yes but at the end of the day you need to make it easy and and accessible to everyone uh and i think that's what you know voice control is is starting to and is already doing in some cases for you know a lot of these uh devices in the home yeah yeah it, good 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 insights there and uh it, as always it, it invariably when we're doing a show somebody's going to mention alexa and she's and she's going to pipe in <laughs> so i think you need to remove the shiitakes from your Shopping list, unless that is actually something you want. Just a little. Right. Yeah. yeah. Robin, I know you were, you were chomping at the bit here to, to jump in. Uh, so jump in. I look at technology more from uh, the health benefits. Um, I'm really enjoying the lighting concept, and my clients are more willing to buy into uh, lighting control, which what I like most about that is that it, um, it actually enhances the design the aesthetic of the design, um, because I can control it. I can actually set up the scenes for my clients so the lighting is correct at certain parts of the day. The other thing that I really like selling about, um, like talking about technology to my clients is security issues. Like, you know, you, you forget to lock the front door. Or, for example, my husband left the garage door open and his brand-new beautiful bike was stolen. Um, so you can go. Oh, did I did I unlock my, did I lock my garage door? You can actually even set a scene to to lock the garage door to close the garage door. You know, three minutes after you pull out, you can actually set this up so you don't even have to. You you're not going to have these kind of security issues. I have a lot of clients who have very high end art collections, and we can put in lighting control that is set based on their geographic location on the planet to be able to close appropriately during the day to protect their art. So there's more things in here than I see just about having my appliance turn on and off. And I, I do love the concept of that. Um, when it comes to the appliances, I had a client who was having problems with 
their wolf range. And I said, well, it's connected. Why don't it was had this weird glitch. And I said, well, it's connected. Why don't you just um, connect to it and get the problem fixed? And it was pro- fixed like that afternoon. It was resolved right away. There was an upload, um, an upgrade that needed to happen and the glitch was fixed. Um, so I, I really look at this more about, I look at technology more about the health and the safety um, for my clients. Um, and I, that's where I see the, the future going. Um, yeah, that's it. Kind of my. Love it. Love it. Ryan. Um, I know you're on a short timeline here. So thoughts on what Robin shared there and then any kind of uh, closing, closing insights before. Yeah. You, you know, it makes sense. I mean, from a purely design aspect, when we talk about lighting control, lighting control really brings out the architecture of the kitchen. Cause think about the kitchen, you know, how many lighting loads do we have? And what I mean is we've got general lighting, we've got task lighting, we've got lighting that's over the center uh, Island. We've got lighting in the cabinet. So all of these things, really tend to draw out the beauty of the architectural detail, especially at night. Now, when we also talk about light, we can also talk about things like circadian rhythm. So as we get older, you know, we take our, as we live life, we take cues from our light, light that's outside, light that's inside. And that can, depending on how you are, as you're getting older, you can have a little bit of a circadian rhythm issue. So you can actually use the new lighting, LED lighting to kind of nudge us back on track which is very interesting. A couple other interesting things, you know, we talked about the survey that CDN and NKBA did in 2018. And one of the interesting things that was uh, brought out is the, there's this gap. There's a gap between the consumer thought process or mind system or belief system and the designers. And the great thing about gaps, as, as far as I look at it, is gaps mean opportunity. So when we're talking about something like that, there are things like, you know, the consumer is very familiar with the value and benefit of technology because they're getting hammered all day long with technology information. But, you know, when we talk about the designers, the designers are so busy working on the projects that it's hard to familiarize themselves with all the technology value and benefits that are out there. So, you know, that's one gap. The other gap is things like costs are too high. So, it's very interesting because you you the perception sometimes is costs are high, but my challenge is this, you know, why isn't your house as smart as your car? And what I mean by that is, you know, I challenge anybody to go out and buy a car today and find a car that you have, you're using a real key to stick in the door and to start the car and you have a manual uh, to drive the car around. The, the reality is we all have a fob and you just get in the car or get by the car, you put your hand on it, you open up your car, if it's dark out, the lights go on. And if it's raining, the windshield wipers go on. I mean, it's all of this tech is surrounding us in the car. So why isn't, why aren't our houses as smart as our cars? They will be now going forward. And that's what I mean by the cost of technology is coming down. So before we talked about the Samsung fridge that had a pact of technology, basically anything Samsung made was chucked into a fridge. And I love that kind of stuff. It doesn't help us from a human standpoint, but I love that kind of stuff. But nowadays, it's actually being changed where useful technology is in. You have an interface on the TV that is attached to Google, which is also your Google Cloud and your Google Calendar. And now I've got, you know, Riley, Toby and Peyton, Scout Scout stuff and Little League and soccer and everything's right there because the kitchen is, you know, central command of the herd household, per se. And this is where 
is actually making a benefit to the consumer. So whether you're old or whether you're young, we all use the technology a little bit differently, but going forward, uh, any house that you acquire uh, is gonna have technology in it and it's just gonna end up surrounding us and it'll be a good thing. It's definitely gonna help us in a lot of ways that I can't even envision, but I'll tell you what, my kids will be able to uh, figure it out going forward. Yeah, you know, and, and you, Ryan, you just kind of gave us a perfect segue. Um, Tony and I have, have talked about this, uh, talked about this space quite a bit. And one of the terms that she's brought up um, a number of times, and she just mentioned it over in chat, is high performance homes. Yeah. And, you know, I think it, for, for those of us who, who uh, live and spend most of our time in the AV space, that, that concept of high performance this or that, high performance audio, high performance video, you know, it's, that's very um, familiar for us, but I think when we right. start looking at it in terms of the of the entire residential space and that high performance home, I, all of a sudden that's where you know for me like those two two worlds have fully converged, and we're talking about how to make that home perform to the best of its capabilities and to the needs of its occupants. Um, yeah. And each occupant has a different need. You've definitely touched on that. I mean, all of you guys, all of you guys have right. I think you take it into a kind of a whole different uh, <laughs> a whole different place there with your kids. And um, yeah. but, well, but that's, it's yeah, interesting. Well, we, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, when we talk about high-performance homes, I mean, when you look at technology, technology has affected every aspect of the home. And what I mean by that is from the building envelope to the type of windows that we're putting in, two and three plane, to the insulation that is sprayed in, to the actual technology that's on the roof from solar to LED lighting, LED TVs. You know, I definitely say in the next five or 10 years, you're going to see a realistic trend towards a net zero home because it's more cost effective. Uh, the technology is out there for it. Uh, the building envelope is up to speed so we can control heating and cooling and our electrical loads and everything. And I think in the next five, 10 years, it's going to be the norm. There, there's also reactionary high performance though. You know, you, you get in your Porsche Panamera because you can and you've got your uh, your stroller folded up in the, the hatchback and you hit the gas and the, and the car goes, right? And you've got your, your phone messages being read to you and all these other things going on. So, so for me, the high-performance home absolutely has all of those things, right? It's got the right glass in the windows and, and all of that. But the fact that it can react to you, I, I think, is really where I was going with that. I got so excited about Cedia because, to me, it was where the user experience equals the aesthetic. And having worked with, like, the Nexus 21 lifts and, and trying to hide the televisions from the very highbrow people who only want it to look like they read, you know, and, and all these other wonderful things to, to really reflect the personality of the individual. Do you need to talk to your mirror in the morning? Maybe you do. Maybe you need to be dictating emails to the people at your office while you're doing your hair, you know. Or, or maybe uh, you want to make sure that um, you... I don't know, something to do with your kid's school, right? You see an email or something happens. So all of these things that seem so gimmicky, um, I don't think they are. I mean, just, just my thought process. So that to me is, is part of the, the high-performance home. And, and the amortization, if you think about all the savings that you have over the course of years, right? We get back to, um, to what it costs. And I, I'd love to hear Joe speak to this because you, you talk about your, your shades going up and down, your lights going on and off. There's got to be a significant cost savings in terms of the heating and cooling and electricity bills for the house, right? Mm-hmm. 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 I agree. Yeah, Joe, David, thoughts on thoughts on this? I'll let, I'll let David go first on this one. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, there there is um, realistically. I mean, is there a legitimate buyback period to where you know you, you save enough 
energy and, and heating and cooling costs to offset, you know, the, the overall cost of, of these devices? No, of course not. You know, but, it, you know, it's, a, it's the, the same thing that, uh, you know, the, the useful life of the Tesla is, is never going to necessarily offset, you know, the, the gas. You know, you're buying it because, you know, it's something that enriches your life and, and you know, brings you, you know, value uh, that, that you see in the home. You know, a lot of clients nowadays uh, and homeowners, you know, see the value in all of these different things that, that, you know, that these different devices, regardless of what it is, from lighting control to shades to, to heating and air conditioning, it's, at the end of the day, it's making their life easier. You know, no one wants to come home from a long day at work and, and, and be troubled, you know, uh, of, of how do I control these different things? And now we have all of these different things that you can do in the house. That's the last thing I want to deal with when I get home from a long day at work, you know, or getting constant phone calls, you know, from the wife or from kids. How the hell do I do this? You know, making these systems easy. And, and you know, that's what, you know, really kind of uh, you know, brings, brings the value is, is, you know, the, the reliability and ease of use of all of these things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there is some intrinsic uh, savings, um, but I think it's, it's more about, you know, the ease of use and, and quality of life that, that they can bring. So. And, and looking at that, you know, it, it, it is really hard to come up with an ROI, so to speak on a home technology um, because there's so much human interaction in it. We could program shades, to, you know, block sun at certain times of the day and, uh, you know, which would change the heat, make it easier to keep cooler in the summer. But whether or not the user uses it in that way is an entirely different, you know, you have that human blockage sometimes of taking advantage of all of those options. However, there are areas where it can be seen and it can be tracked uh, with lighting control HVAC. There are some things where that can get dialed down to because, you know, companies like Lutron or, or other companies with shades, they haven't made us a little sensor that sits on the inside of the window yet that tells us how much heat was blocked and how much was. So we, we, we don't have the ability to track that yet. We know it makes the difference when used properly. And that is something that we could talk to clients about. But, you know, the other thing, Tony, that you touched on or Ryan was talking about is over the years, the the drop in, in your buy-in, you know, the cost of technology now. You take a Lutron shade or a Q-Motion shade right now, and for an average, you know, 72, 35-inch window, you know, you might be talking about somewhere between 900 and 12 bucks, 1200 bucks. Whereas 10 years ago, we were talking about 1700 to 2000 you know, with the same fabrics, and now the fabrics are better, and they do better uh, light filtering and better room darkening and they look better. So now we're, you know, with working with designers, we have better fabrics, better choices that have higher performance that cost less than they did a decade ago. And a lot, you know, how the cycle in homes go, especially in our high end luxury markets with flats, estates, et cetera, you have about a 10 to 12 year turnover before they're moving into their next house. And that's kind of that sticker shot is the last time they did that. They know they spent $110,000 on blinds. They haven't had the chance to hear the conversation at this time. You're going to spend 52 for the, for a better product that works better and does all the things that you asked us to do a decade ago that didn't exist. So there, there's kind of that thing 
that I think is the important thing working with technology and designers together to be able to kind of, you know, move past that, especially like Tony was saying in motorization, which is hat in bedrooms, but did your customer know or your client know that now you can do that in kitchen counters and you're saving space and you're utilizing storage in different ways? A lot of times they didn't. We know it and you guys know it now, but the client still is not aware of that. But those are the discussions that are happening with the designers and the architects, not necessarily the technology guy. So, so that being aware that uh, kind of the team right here has started to create is kind of a big deal. Um, but moving forward, which, you know, we'll see if it happens, you know, a rumor drop, rumor mill, there may be a reverse design connection next year at KBiz. Um, dropping the rumor right here on this show, we're pretty sure it's going to happen. But I would like to see some of the business transition happen between, you know, these two business models. You know, I got to learn a lot about the business model of uh, interior designers and architects through this last show and, and through Molly and talking to Tony and kind of have a little better understanding of the way their business works. And I think there could be some teaching on both sides because I know Molly doesn't sell a lot of physical products and some people that are in the design community sell like none, but they bill correctly and they charge correctly for their design and for that implementation. And, and not, you know, D David is a little different because he is a consultant, so he knows how to bill for design. But a lot of guys like my company, we make a lot of revenue off a of product. And sometimes our revenue in that number is so big on product is so big on labor, we sometimes have a fear for charging for our design. We could learn from these communities on how, how to be better to sell our design, actuate that sell, and actually place a value to that design for implementation. And on the other side, they can learn from us how to get into product procurement, deals with uh, their lead manufacturer, so to speak. Because I walked the floor with Tony, and she took me to like six major amazing manufacturers. You know, introduced me to all the people and, and products. And, and then I walked away that day scratching my head and saying, Molly does design, but she's not selling a single one of these products. She's leaving money on the table, just like I'm leaving on the money, money on the table on my design fees. So I think there's going to be a lot of business learning between, you know, these two markets that are going to kind of bring everybody up. Me and Molly have been kind of talking about the, that kind of thing for a couple of weeks about, you know, we can put this together and everybody can make more money. Well, then I, I, Joe, and chime in a little bit too, you know, talking, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you know, our firm is different. Um, and so we, we kind of saw that there was that gap. And I, I think, you know, I, I kind of see it across the board, you know, with projects, you know, all over the country, I see the same dynamic uh, that, that happens almost every single time you have, you know, the design team, you know, on, on one side of the table, you know, with the client and the architect and the interior designer and, and all of the other, you know, design related trades. And then you have the build trades. That, that are always separate. And in most cases, a vast majority of cases, you know, unless there's, you know, someone like ourselves involved, um, there is no bridge between the two. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think both sides, you know, there, there's, and it's kind of hard to, you know, figure out why that is, you know, whether it's, it's just a timing thing 
or if it's, you know, a, a dynamic because, you know, designers and, and the, the people on the design side don't sell anything. You know, there's, there is, you know, some, some value to that, especially from a, a homeowner perspective, um, that they know that, you know, there is no, uh, you know, uh, monetary value to the different parts and pieces, um, you know, to where there, there could be that, that uh, you know, not even a conflict of interest, but, you know, it, it could be just a mental block, you know, on, on those things. And so that's where I definitely, you know, I think there's a lot, like you said, that that both sides of the table could learn from each other uh, and to help bridging that gap and, and really making the technology, you know, I know it's already done in some instances, but really, truly making that a part of the design, you know, and, and talking about it early on and having, you know, integrators like yourself or, or you know, design consulting firms like our, ourselves, uh, you know, provide these designs for a fee, you know, so you can truly speak to homeowners and designers and architects about, okay, here's all of the options. Here's what you can do. Let's design and specify this properly. And that way you take the sales component away from it. So it does, it allows the, you know, in my experience, you know, the homeowners or the designers, the design team to feel much more comfortable with this technology because you're not working, you know, again with, you know, the horrible, you know, analogy of the AV guy, um, you know, trying to sell you a bunch of black boxes. When you introduce, you know, a, a design into a proper design, you remove that, you know, that that completely from the conversation. So I, I found at least, you know, in our avenues and, and us doing this, you know, over the last 10 years, that that's absolutely been the case. It, it instantly removes that that barrier. Yeah, yeah, hey, really good insights there. Um, Molly, Tony, Rob, and any and from your side of the fence, any kind of comments, insights there on the design? You know, I kind of commented design as a service and on the AV side where we're, everything is as a service these days. Um, is design as a service, is that actually, is that a thing? I, I mean, that is kind of what you guys do, but just the design aspect of it, not necessarily the delivery. Um, and that's just one element of what, what that last little run was about, but, but jump in and share thoughts. I mean... Oh, go ahead, Robin. Oh, you know, that's, that's a touchy set. It's hard in that situation. Um, I'm a design only, and I know that, Molly, you do design only, and so do you, Tony. Um, there are some products that I can sell, but um, the products I can't sell, like I can't sell plumbing fixtures, right? I mean, I can, but the markup is so nominal, it's not worth it, and I don't want the risk. Um, I don't know if I would sell um, AV equipment, I would bring my, how, how I wish that there was a, um, a collaborative type relationship with my tradespeople. So meaning like my contractors, um, if I bring my contractor a project, I do make a commission because I'm kind of making a sales, I'm being their salesperson. So they pay me a sales commission and it's line item as a commission. If I brought in my, um, AV integrator on a project and you know they're talking some of my project you know some of these bids that we have out are you know $250,000 I don't make any money off of that but it would be I don't know how we can do that my job is to educate my job is to bring you in on the job and I don't know how I could sell AV equipment in a way that I would feel comfortable doing it and I also would want my AV people to specify their product because otherwise it's a, I don't know if your, if your design services as AV, um, as technology, if that's a design only thing without 
the sales of the product because otherwise you're going to end up with the DIYer, right? I mean, and that's in your technology, in technology, I don't know if DIY technology is most successful, right? I don't, I only, because of my experiences with, with the way my house was done before Evolved Home came in and fixed it, I couldn't make anything work. So I would look at you as you're a package, you're a, a design and sales yeah, to kind of, I mean, at least from, from our end, David, um, to, you know, clarify. Uh, so we definitely don't design uh, to have a homeowner implement everything. You know, you can think of us, um, you know, more like a, you know, lighting designer or an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer or an architect. And Joe is our contractor, you know, so we would design and specify everything head to toe from shades to lighting control to music to the control of all of these different appliances and how to make it easy to use and everything. Uh, and then we identify potential integrators, you know, that would be, you know, uh, able to execute the job properly. Um, you know, so just like the architect would design a beautiful home or you as designers would, would, you know, design the space uh, and the interiors and bring in your trades to be able to execute everything. That's exactly what we do. And so we help kind of bridge that gap between you know, the design team and the integration companies, you know, because always the process, and I'm sure everyone's seen it, you know, typically you call Joe and you call two guys that are like Joe and they, you know, come in and meet with the design team and the homeowners individually. And for better or for worse, all three of them are typically going to have three completely different things to say. You know, one's going to talk about control four, one's going to talk about Crestron, one's going to talk about Savant. And there really isn't anybody, you know, on the other side of the table again, you know, talking about, you know, all of this from an agnostic standpoint and being part of the design team. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's in my mind anyways, and that's always been kind of my mission statement is whether you're using a company like ourselves um, or, you know, hiring an integration firm like Joe's on a per diem basis, design this for us. You know, if you can bid the project and you're able to execute it, great, but we don't want to be beholden to that, you know, especially early on in a project. Um, you know, I find that's one of the barriers is they're like, oh yeah, great. We know we need this stuff, but we don't need the integrator. And especially if you're talking about new construction projects, we don't need them for a year, you know, or, or 18 months, you know, once you're finally in, into uh, design development. You know, so there's always that, that, you know, people being gun shy. And so that's where if you can kind of, again, bridge that gap uh, between the two worlds, I, I think that would, again, bring everything back full cycle and make it, make it much easier in the long run for not only integrators, but then the homeowners to get this, this dream uh, and, and, you know, bring it all together much, you know, typically much easier. So. And, and Robin, you know, and, you know, Katie, it's something that maybe we'll have a podcast on in the future. Um, but Robin, if you're curious, give me a call sometime. We already do that with designers. We do what one of three things. We either commission them as sales because they're the one that made that early entry into a client, or we actually contract them as our environment designers to make sure that all of our oh. things match with the interior designer, which is a, which is another great way. That's great. But, but when we do design, I mean, we, we kind of go a little out of control because we do CAD, wire schedule, 3D renderings. You know, we do an actual full design, and we don't sometimes don't even talk about brands that much, you know. We're, we're scope of work type guys. You're going to have 16 zones audio and eight TVs, and everything is going to be controlled by touchscreen, single apps, and intercoms. 
um, and voice control and get into that conversation later. But but Robin, you're 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 absolutely right that designers that bring in because there's two benefits, bring in a guy like myself or even David early on in the project, you're doing the initial recommendation and to the to the homeowner. So so you're actually the lead to the sale. But it also benefits us because it gets us in there nice and early during architecture, during design, and then the product, the whole product comes out better. I think if you don't do that, then you're missing the boat because there's not going to be a budget for it. And you need to specify Mm -hmm. um, a budget for it. And I'd love to see, um, Molly, I was listening to Katie talk about a project that you're doing. And, um, you know, from your perspective, you're a younger designer. Uh, and I, I would love to to understand how you're finding the, the like I find my clients trust technology a lot more now. Um, I didn't grow up with technology. Um, I'm sure you did. So I would love to see how that affects your thought process and your business model. Um, I mean, definitely being younger, they seem to think that I know more than I know with technology. I know enough to be dangerous, but, um, I, I would say uh, there is a level of trust of like, they're like, well, what would you do? Cause you're about the age of my, my kids. And honestly, this project that we're doing, one of the biggest catalysts for, um, the, the technology side was they were like, one day we're going to have grandkids and we want them to come over to our house. (laughs) Um, And if we're not up to date and we don't have all the best technology, they're not going to want to come. And so I think there's this interesting perspective of, you know, A, there's different levels of of how connected a home can be, but there are some basic levels as well where we can kind of slip in and be like, well, at least we can prep the house for things. Um, And understanding that's just how much we can do down the road and how much can be um, upgraded as long as the basic wiring is there. Um, and I, th- I think that's really a big understanding is like, I feel like everyone kind of thinks that like, okay, I'm going to have a smart connected home. Like I need all these gizmos and all these gadgets everywhere. You kind of just need to like prep them and get them ready. And and then locally I have two, I have a really great team that, you know, they're like, come to me with anything. They're like, I don't care if it, like the project's only a thousand dollars or if we're just running some coax cable, whatever. They're like anything to get our foot in the door because we can at least together start to educate the client on like, okay, well we can start here. This is where it can go later. Um, but again, it's just, it's, it's setting everybody up for, you know, the best future that that home can have and the, the environment that they want to create, whether it's now or where they want to, you know, eventually evolve into something different later. So. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it, it is really interesting and Tony, you know, how you, you set that up with the, the, the bit about the grandparents and, and, you know, or, or Molly and, you know, the, the grandparents and they want a home that the kids will come, or the grandkids will come back to. Hello. Get your stuff together, Katie. Here we go. I'm the grandma. That's why you said. <laughs> there you go. I'm all about the grandson. <laughs> but you know, I you know, I think that's that is really relevant, and 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 sort of what that brings into perspective is that when we're talking about that intersection of technology and design, and and uh, you know where we are with the um, prolific use of technology by virtually every demographic. I mean, it's almost as though babies are being born with a device in their hands anymore. Um, but, you know, I think that there's generationally, there there are 
different ways of interacting with using and appreciating appreciating technology. And the more that we all in our in in each aspect of what we do in our professional lives, the more that we kind of realize that and tap into then what is what does that experience need to be in order to be most meaningful to each of those demos? Um, and and there's clearly going to be crossover points there too. I mean, when you've got young kids, the the adult in the house or the the, the most senior in the house obviously needs to to sort of be in control of of the technology in such a capacity to be able to to prevent vulnerabilities or prevent it from being used maliciously or um, or creating absolutely you know, ordered twice. Yeah, my yeah. grandsons have had like a boatload of Ninja Turtles delivered to their house. <laughs> I mean, it definitely happens, you know, but, yeah. but I, I think the point about trust, and I'm sure there are ways that my daughter could have prevented that. Sorry, Lisa, if you're listening. But um, the, the, the whole thing about it, I think, is that I'm finding that um, that my clients trust technology for their banking and all of these other things. And I would only think that as you get younger um, and you're used to the idea where you're using open table instead of calling the restaurant to make the reservation, that the idea that the, the younger the client gets, right, that the more um, um, the more comfortable they're going to be with the fact that technology is going to be that much more woven into their everyday life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're, you're totally right. I'm a technology guy, and I still bump into the generational thing. Like, no, seriously, just today, my six-year-old started playing the drums, right, or started taking drum lessons. So I go and I say, well, you know, when I was like in high school, I had these drumsticks that were clear blue plastic and they were the same color as my pager. And he's like, what's a pager? There's a whole 30 minute uh, explanation <laughs> conversation for you. Wasn't even a two way, you know, the little blue Motorola's. Um, but I mean, I, I even being in technology, I sometimes am, am a little overwhelmed by the things that can and will be done. You know, but at the same time, I'm one of those guys, I carry no cash ever. I never have cash. I'm dependent on Apple Pay and this and chip cards and RFID and all of these other things that I should be concerned about security. I should know better in some of these cases. But at the same time, almost all of us sacrifice security and privacy for convenience. We don't care anymore. You know, it's like uh, we all have that customer. I'm sure every single one of you and every single person that's listening on both sides has had the customer that said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm worried about when you hook up my Wi-Fi or you do this, that I'm, I'm concerned about some privacy issues. And my response is usually you signed up for Facebook 10 years ago. It's already gone. Like you already get they know your birth date. They know like all your first and last name, where you live, what block you're on. They can, you know, when you tweet, it's using geofencing and boom, they know right where you're at. They can find you. You're, the only thing you might still have is your social security number. There's a very good chance you don't have that either. So, I mean, it's like you already signed up. You gave it away. What are you so concerned about? It's, it's where we live in that age where convenience is totally take away our privacy and, and any sense of security. We already gave it away. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Great. Now we just lost Facebook as a sponsor. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> I'm all for it, though. I'm all for it. Why? I mean, seriously, in this day and age, yeah. you know, what? what is the concern? Uh, unless you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I mean, 
it's just, it is that way now. I mean, you can, even on the personal level, I could not even know you, Katie, and I could bump into you on the street, shake your hand, and you say, hi, I'm Katie McGregor, and I can walk away 10 feet away, hit Google, Twitter, and LinkedIn real quick. I know what you do for a living. I know what your gross pay is. Just like that. It would take me five seconds. I mean, it's, what's the big deal? But that's one of those things that Tony and Molly and Robin get when they start tech, talking technology to clients is that is a big concern. And you can safeguard credit cards and, and intrusion because to me, those kind of things they're worried about are not the things that are scary anymore. The thing that's scary is somebody, you know, hijacking or hacking a house and being able to disarm security, turn off the, the, turn off the security, turn off the cameras, unlock the front door and start making sandwiches in your kitchen. That is the scary thing. The personal identity thing isn't that big of a deal anymore. You have LifeLocker. The thing that is scary now is not securing those homes can lead to physical intrusion, um, physical loss of property, physical loss of life. That is where we really need to start concentrating is locking down the premise security when it comes to technology. I think I've talked to both Tony and Molly about this before. That is, that's where the new, that's where the new security thing is in the home. Yeah. Yeah. And that it really, really, really good points. And definitely um, topic for conversation for another day of which Joe, I've got notes now, so I'm going to need you for about three more shows. Sorry, but. Um, <laughs> you know I'm available. Job now. <laughs> yeah. And Molly, we've got two for you. We just discussed as well. So, um, you know, I think this is it, definitely, and I, you know, I think it, technology is all, okay, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to quote my mom here. It's all fun and games. Someone gets their eyes poked out. Um, you know, it, but it's, it, it is all fun and games until there is a loss of life or there is, um, you know, a physical security issue. And Joe is, 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 you know, you kind of brought that around into perspective. And so while it is all fun and games, you know, it's, it is something that, that does need to be um, harnessed and, um, and put into the proper um, configuration so as to protect um, the different elements. So, you know, it, it definitely, you know, word, word of caution, but as Robin said, great now, thanks, I'm scared. Okay, so let's not be scared of the kitchen or the bath anymore. That's all conversation for another day. We're going back to our happy place where great food is made and people are made beautiful. So um, kitchen bath, here we go. Um, I want to, we've been talking here for quite a long time and, and while I, I, this is fascinating, I know our, re, our listeners are going to have a hard time kind of sticking with us here. So I want to just do a real quick lightning round. Um, we'll go sort of in the same order of introductions. Ryan doesn't get to play here because he left us early, but that's what he gets for leaving early. He should know better. Um, it, so kind of favorite, favorite thing that exists at the intersection of technology and design, whether it's a new thing that was shown at KBiz or something that's in your world or outside of it that you just think is, is awesome. But favorite new thing that connects technology and design, Robin Fisher. Control four. Control four. Control okay. four. Yes. Across the board or any particular aspect? Uh, I just, oh, I thought you were really lightning round really quick. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Lightning Katie style. Lightning <laughs> I think it's the basis. It's um, where we want to start and then you can build on and everything can be built on top of that. So I think that if we're going to in, in connect somebody's home, we want to start with a good foundation. And I think a product like Control 4 is our, is our foundation and then we build on top of that. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Good, good. David, sir, let's say ye. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, voice control, again, going, kind of going back to that. Again, I think it's, you know, wave two of, uh, you know, making things easy for, uh, for homeowners. Uh, I mean, anywhere from, uh, you know, my four-year-old daughter can, can turn on the lights and, and change the air conditioning, whether I want her to or not. 
you know, a, a four-year-old can now truly control the connected home. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's, you know, dramatically lowered that, that barrier of entry for everyone. And you have the ability to, can, you know, voice control just about anything in your house if you want to. So it just makes these systems, you know, it, it, it removes that, uh, that technophobe, uh, you know, and, and that fear that a lot of people have. I don't know what to do. Just talk to it. You know, tell it what you want it to do. And, and if you have the right system, it'll be able to do it and pretty easily. So I think definitely that's, uh, that's you know, one, one of the most eye-opening things I'm, I'm seeing as of, as of late, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Tony, what, what about you? Um, before I, I talk about that, I think that somebody in Hollywood needs to remake Home Alone again with <laughs> kids having a smart house, because I just think that that would work a lot. <laughs> but um, in terms of um, the infrastructure, I think the infrastructure is amazing. And aside from that, I think the coolest things that I love are the smart mirror and um, smart backsplashes. I think they're, uh, I just think that they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. It's that we've barely been touched on. I don't even know if we've even talked about the smart backsplash, but that it is so cool. And it's one of those things like, I don't know. I think of that, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. So Molly, what about you? Um, I'm super excited um, about like geofencing. Like it's still in its new in, you know, but it is uh, an awesome topic when it comes to, you know, the design aspect of like lighting. So my client is a doctor who is on call and has crazy hours. And he, when he comes home, once he breaks that geofence line of coming home at three in the morning, you know, his garage lights turn on, the garage door opens for him. um, And he knows that the lights between the garage and to his bedroom are on. And then he can shut them all down once he gets there. And that's, you know, to me, again, that, that just becomes that really exciting part of like, where is this really going? Like the Jetsons are here. They're, they're living with us. Um, you know, Rosie is here with us. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'm excited to see how that really starts to evolve and how we start to, again, it becomes that sort of second sense type atmosphere where it's thinking kind of ahead of us um, in these awesome scenes. So. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So Joe, you get to you bring us home again, Joe. What you got? I will make mine easy. Of course, I'm always excited about voice, but that's kind of my, my, my thing, my, my comfort zone. But you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, tech in the home, designer friendly, MKBA, KBiz stuff. Um, I, I like what Molly just said about, you know, geofencing, but I'm looking more forward to micro geofencing, which it will know when you go home, but there's a reason why companies like D, you know, Deco and Noon Home and those guys are starting to put Bluetooth inside light switches and stuff around the house because it helps your phone triangulate triangulate exactly where you are in your home at any time. It will know that I'm in the bedroom. It will know that I'm in the kitchen. It will know that I'm in the living room and can set room preferences. Right now we're on a kind of macro geofencing thing where it just it knows when I'm 10 miles or 15 miles away from the house makes adjustments accordingly when I get there. The future of that is micro geofencing where it's going to see me or people around my house moving and commuting and all of that and adjust the environment accordingly. On the NKBA and KBiz side, there were several manufacturers that I thought did kind of cool things. I loved the display built into the front of the microwave. I know it's cheesy, but it's, a, it's one of those things. How, where do you fit a TV in a kitchen? 
Well, it's built in the front of the microwave that's mounted into the countertop. I mean, into the cabinet. It's great. The other thing was um, uh, SKS. Uh, they showed this true sommelier app, which I thought was amazing because it works with the Wi-Fi inside their uh, wine cooler and gives you, it's, it's like an AI-driven thing where it learns your entire collection, photos and labels, notes the shelf placement, and learns your preference in order to make wine recommendations. So that is AI living inside a kitchen or bar appliance. I thought it was genius utilization, and I hope to see that actually go into other appliances that they do. But I thought that right there was, that's a tip of the iceberg of where we should be going with things that operate in the kitchen and bath. You know, to actually be able to have a dishwasher tell you, you know, the acidic or hard water levels inside and when it actually rinsed, is it really rinsed? Are, you know, you may not be able to see the smudges and dots anymore, but is it truly clean? But I saw that at KBiz um, from SKS and I was like, mind blown. I'm like, where have you been all my life? I kind of like wine too. So it's kind of a, a bonus. I'm like, I want one of those. Um, but you know, that, that kind of usage, I was blown away some of the technology that was actually at, you know, at KBiz. I mean, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Before you, before you uh, go to the end, I think it's interesting that you've got electronics players that have bought high-end appliance brands. Just wanted to throw that into the mix because that's exactly what Joe's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I presume you're talking maybe about Samsung decor. Well, yeah. you've got LG. That's one example, LG. Yeah. You've got Samsung that owns decor, and and there's a there's a lot of genius and know-how coming yeah. into the, uh, the high-end appliance arena through the electronics. Team. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a really good point. I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought it up. I mean, it, it it really is. There's indicators all over the place, and it's just a matter of sort of you know where we're seeing and where we're picking up on them too. And, and, and you know, before before we get to that last part, I would like to add you know to what Tony said earlier, um, and well, and Robin, kind of everyone about you know selling. Robin mentioned uh, sink fixtures or you know faucets and stuff like that. You don't want to sell that. There's no margin. But you, you talk about high-end appliances like the SKS, the uh, wine cooler that I was talking about, or Sub-Zero and all that, um, or you know, even KitchenAid products, for God's sake. When you think about it, who is more educated um, to actually be able to propose a high-end and designer-friendly product like that? Is it you or is it a plumber? You know, I, I just want to toss that out there for you guys. You know, when you're talking about a Sub-Zero or a Wolf, who, who's your guy? Is it the plumber? Of course it's us, but, you know, like, yes. know. okay, thank you. But I'm, I'm paid for, for the recommendation. I'm paid to think. Um, and I want my clients own the warranty because they're going to call me when the refrigerator breaks down anyway. You know, or maybe they won't because maybe it's Wi-Fi connected and it'll just, like, get repaired. But the bottom line is I want them to own the warranty. I, I don't want to resell any of that material. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Joe, you know, I think when, when Tony puts it in, in that perspective and I, one of uh, Molly or Robin, I think brought it up earlier on too, of owning the warranty. You know, I think that that is a really, that is a compelling challenge to, it's to, huge. to that. Right. Yeah. So, 
Um, I think we can all, <laughs> we can all just go, yep. And, uh, you know, what do we do with that? We'll talk about that another day, but, um, it does, it does sort of bring up to the surface another, another topic that, that I do want to have another another chat about another day and, and just sort of how the different um trades are, are getting paid or compensated for their components of um uh, of the project and in listening to conversations out at kbiz there definitely is a disparity um and a and a general just lack of knowledge as to how the different groups individually and as as categories are, are being paid and, and how to make that a fair equation um and you know definitely that's the subject that needs to be explored as as all of these trades start to kind of converge in the same space and um you know everyone's got to make money it's it's just a it's a fact of life, so um, nothing to be afraid of. But you know, it's, it's a good conversation to have. So um, I'll definitely tee that up with you guys again for for another another show down the road. But um, but to kind of wrap wrap this one, we didn't get into half of the cool stuff about KBiz, and so I almost feel as though we do need to do another show on that for anyone interested. Um, you know, for instance, Molly, one of the things that she said was color. Oh my gosh, color was everywhere at the show, and yes, it was. It was in a big way. And as an outsider looking in that kind of hit me front and center right from the first 32 seconds. I wasn't even in the building yet. I just walking through the salon, the tent outside. It was like, you know, the space has definitely, it's changed. And, and you know, us CEDIA guys and, and Expo as a whole can learn a lot from that. I mean, we I was walking with, with Molly and some other people and I'm like, I think Alex from uh, Josh was with us when I was saying that. I'm like, it is so pretty. It's like beautiful and these things jump out at you. It's not just a big flashy TV. You just have this, yeah, beauty to it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like it's 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 really mind blowing. It's yep. and it's eye grabbing. Yeah, it is. And the and the cool thing is is that now with technology being as it is that you, that there the home the environment can be beautiful and there can be a lot of tech and you're never going to know it's there. And that I think is you know that's that's how cool it is where we are right now is that you can have both both ends of the spectrums. Uh, one of my sisters is a <laughs> is an architect and um, another one is a colorist, and so they often get into sort of the same spaces. And neither of those two, well, nobody really in my family is really all that tech interested at all, and uh, love them to pieces. But for for the entire time that I've been an adult, those two have been bickering about how to make speakers disappear, and can we just not have them at all? Thank you very little. And it's like no, we have to have speakers because of course I love this stuff, but now. I can have that conversation of we can all have what we want in this space and um and you know I think that's just that's sort of the a good way of sort of of wrapping it to this point is you know we're, we're at this really cool intersection now where technology and design is intersecting but it's also intersecting in such a way as that it's appeasing a lot of the senses and, and needs of of a broad um a broad and diverse group you know so those who love to see tech and and touch it feel it every aspect of it in their lives and those that don't and those two interests can be served in the same space now. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's really pretty cool. So, um, so I want to just go around the table one more time for our listeners benefit here um, for each of our guests, just uh, we'll go around the room in that same order, but how do people find you? How do, how do they learn more about what you do and how to, how to reach out to you if, if they're so inclined um, starting with Robin Fisher. Who is me first? Um, it's my company name is Robin Rigby Fisher Design. I'm out of Portland, Oregon, and um, that's my website. It's robinrigbyfisher.com. So if you want to get a hold of me, I'd love to chat with you. Beautiful, David. Sure. Uh, Van Wert Design on all the socials. You can Google that and find me uh, just about anywhere Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, website is also vanwarddesign.com. So pretty easy to hunt us down. Uh, you know, we're able to help clients really anywhere in the country or the world for that matter. Um, so, so happy to assist as needed. 
Beautiful. And a van word is V-A-N-W-E-R-T for those of you who are listening there. That is correct. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Uh, and Tony, how about you? I am at TonySabatinoStyle.com. And I am at Tony Savastyle on um, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and all that good stuff. And I am Tony with an I here from New York. Excellent. Molly? Uh, I am Molly N. Switzer, as in the country, no land at the end. So uh, MollyNSwitzer.com, as well as all of my social feeds are all Molly N. Switzer. I got repetitive. <laughs> you, you got in on it early and got them all at the same time. Bravo! <laughs> yes! <laughs> all right, Joe Whitaker, once again, bring us home. How do we, how do, how's everybody find you? Sir? You can always find us pretty much anywhere on social at The Thoughtful Home. Um, if you're really cool, you can shoot me a message and maybe become a personal friend because that's where the really good stuff happens. Um, but all over social, you can always find me attached to something at Cedia. So always look up Cedia.org and see things there. You can always find me on the Googles and the Twitters. Um, and that's about where you can find me. Oh, but but that may be changing soon. Special announcement only on Katie's show. <gasps> you're going to be... You're going to be seeing a big change at the Thoughtful Home and the Thoughtful Restaurant. Big, big, big. I feel like Joe just comes on this show literally to do, just drop a bunch of gossip. Yep. (laughs) It's the best thing to do because then you got all uh, all this, what's going on over there? What's going on over here? (laughs) Exactly. Show what show? Joe, tell us more. (laughs) Hey, look, scoop scoop drops is better than clickbait. I'm just saying. It works great. (laughs) <laughs> tastes great less filling and uh, something right. like that anyways yeah yeah well excellent okay now i'm all excited about whatever the scoop is that you're not going to share with us today but that you're going to share with us on our next show so thank you for um offering your time for the next show for that thank you thank you much appreciated just signed yourself up for another podcast yay but uh this has been a fantastic conversation guys and gals thank you so much for joining connecting tech and design uh we really only scratched the surface of of kbiz and uh and where technology and and design is intersecting right now so it would be 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 ready for me to come come back and ask you to come 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 back on the show and and uh and dig into this a little bit deeper but i definitely would love to get into some more of this sort of the trends and where things are going but um loved where the conversation went today really appreciate your time and as always uh would love to have you guys on another show but keep doing what you do keep being wonderful and awesome and and uh doing what doing what you do i appreciate you so much So that's a wrap for today's show. But if you'd like to stay up to speed on future episodes, you can follow Connecting T&D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to Connecting Tech and Design on Podbean or wherever else you consume your podcast content. As always, thanks for listening.